Welcome to Did You Know My Master? Teach You How to Make Money While Traveling the World. Thank you, Rianne, co-host. Uh, we are Digital Nomad Mastery, where the podcast and the videocast, as Rianne said, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Thank you, thank you. And uh, on today's episode, we have a very special guest who's actually from Melbourne, Australia, but he did an amazing trip uh, from Melbourne, and then he did a training in four different continents, and he ended up in Ethiopia doing a 500 kilometer hike and he's actually uh, uh, documented the whole um, um, ex- adventure on on uh, YouTube. You can actually uh, watch the entire movie. It's called Walking with the Morrises and uh, that's yes. a look. Yes. Uh, so uh, I'll have the link below so you can actually watch the whole uh, feature length documentary. Uh, so uh, any of you finding out more about the adventure that uh, David's uh, been on? So, David, uh, first, lo- why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to do a quick introduction? Hi, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Uh, so, my background's a combination. I work as a filmmaker, writing, and directing, which is what I spend most of my time doing. And before I shot this documentary in Ethiopia, I'd done a little bit of documentary, but predominantly, I'd actually been focusing on film and television drama, sort of thrillers. Um, directed quite a few comedies and some horror films and in and around that because I do a lot of rock climbing that is um, outdoor adventure I've spent a lot of my life in that particularly I started I was doing scouts at about eight years old then got sort of heavily into uh, into traveling around the world as well and trying to combine all those things <laughs> awesome uh, so uh, before we get into the Ethiopia trip I'd love to hear just about your travels in general which countries and continents have you visited so far? Um, most places. The first overseas trip I did was to New Zealand when I was uh, 18 and did mountaineering there. And since then, I've sort of traveled Southeast Asia a bit, Vietnam, Thailand, uh, a couple of times, Laos, Europe, a little bit in the Middle East. Um, I was spent, which part of the document covers was in. Uh, Lebanon, which was incredible, and um, where else? So a couple of years ago, I was in Nicaragua, in Central America, and Sri Lanka, and a little bit in Africa as well. Sounds amazing. So I'd love to hear about the background story. What made you uh, conceive of the idea of doing this big trek across Ethiopia? Um, it kind of about in, in two ways. I was planning on going overseas for sort of, I could get sort of six or seven months off work that I had between projects. And I was just bought a one-way ticket, but I really wanted to get to Ethiopia. That was the central part of the, the trip. Um, and I was actually going over there to rock climb. There's a lot of mountains in Ethiopia. It's a very mountainous country. And a lot of the climbing just hasn't been done. Um, but I couldn't get all my equipment over there. And before I'd left, I'd been hiking in the Grampians National Park in Australia, which is probably, it's one of my favorite places in the world. It's amazing for climbing and hiking. And I was doing a, a solo hike through there and I got lost. I came across this Aboriginal shelter. And this is what sort of set up at the start of the documentary. And so I went, I want to go, um, this Aboriginal shelter is, you know, people used to, clans used to live in this national park, but they don't anymore. And I was interested to go off and see you know, parts of the world where people have to kind of walk for daily survival. And... So I headed off overseas, and then I, when I found out about these remote tribes in, in Ethiopia, I thought this would be a perfect way to combine traveling, seeing Ethiopia, and, and experiencing a, a very different way of life. 
So you had the idea. Uh, so tell us uh, the whole, uh, you know, from the conception, one thing to have the idea, but uh, tell us about the road to actually implementing the idea in Jackson. To, uh, to getting over to Ethiopia and hiking and... Uh, walk us through the logistics because there's one thing to have this great idea of traveling or you know doing this uh, epic journey, uh, but what, yeah. what what was the actual logistical steps you needed to take once you had the idea? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, that's kind of one of the things with film and adventure travel seem to have very similar things. At the start, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You have a great idea, and really, it was so I bought a, a one-way ticket and. When I was season, I knew I'd be at Ethiopia at some point on the trip. And I, so I was just traveling around the world and I got to, I was in Lebanon and I was trying to get into Iran, but they wouldn't give me a ticket. They wouldn't give me a visa because I was on one-way tickets and you have to have an ongoing ticket. And part of that trip, I was like, I don't want to, one of the things is I don't want to uh, have any onward bound tickets. So I just want to be in the moment and I could just go tomorrow. I want to leave, go to a different country. And uh, so then I kind of went, okay, well, now I'll head to Ethiopia and I got there and it actually took me a couple of weeks to, um, when I got into the country to, to start to make it happen because what I discovered is people actually don't, haven't done this kind of thing. It's not like a set tour. So I had to, um, and like that, I met a woman over there by the name of Amen, who was an Ethiopian American and she helped me out when we got to a town to start to sort of speak to some people and go how do I actually go about this trip? And that's when I started to discover that, that hiking in the Oma was very uh, logistically really difficult. So what kind of training and preparation did you have to do in terms of the mental preparation and also the physical? Physical, um, physical training I had, um, at the time, the problem was I was actually really out of shape. And this is something I pick up in the documentary. I was training in, um, I was in uh, the Dolomites in Italy and I was just doing Via Ferrate and climbing and hiking. And then I got really sick with Lyme disease. So I got a tick bite in Southern Germany. Um, so I was actually wiped out for about two months. Um, it's pretty serious. At its worst, it can kill you, uh, but it's actually central nervous system. So I was... Actually, the only training I had was I did two days of walking in in the mountains of Lebanon up in the north, which was incredible, like walking through this landscape. Um, but, but so by the time I got to Ethiopia, I was actually, I'd only done two days hiking in about four or five weeks, so I was not in shape um, at all. Um, <laughs> but I... Probably the best bit is I didn't, again, because I didn't quite know exactly what I was getting into. If someone had a set at the start, on certain days, you're going to be walking maybe 40, 50 kilometers a day. I would have just said, I'm not in any shape for this. Um, so really the, the preparation on that, I would just say wasn't, uh, didn't have a level of fitness, but also know like day by day that on hikes, I don't train a lot for hikes that I will get fitter. Um, and as for the mental aspect, um, that was really, it was real roller coaster ride. So I, every day I was kind of felt a bit like a ping pong ball, just, you know, kind of getting hit around between government departments and all the different information's changing. People saying you can go in there and people saying you can't and other people saying it's dangerous and others are saying, no, it's safe. So I really, 
I think it was just kind of throwing caution to the wind, I guess. So it was like preparation that I just had to kind of go, things will work out for me somehow. <laughs> work out. Tell us about the um to Ethiopia. Where did you start? And tell us about the actual route that you took. The actual route. So we were in, um, and one of the things I should say about that kind of throwing caution to the wind, part of it is making you know, judgment on how risky this is or isn't, but also kind of like the idea of just having to kind of go with it, embrace it, not have, have control, um, which is kind of tough because you're in an area where I don't speak any of the language and I just don't know what I'm doing. So sort of trusting people. But part of that was sort of a bit scary and also um, was, was exciting. Uh, so the route we took, we're down in, um, I don't know how your geography is on Ethiopia, but... Because uh, you're heading there soon, aren't you? Well, we definitely, uh, it's not me actually, it's my co-host, Scott Patton. And Scott, Scott yeah. my co-host, he's heading this, this December. For me and our family, we're actually focused on South America. Definitely Ethiopia is on the list. My geography of Ethiopia isn't very good. So pretend uh, okay. for the people listening and watching that we don't know anything about Ethiopia and give us a quick rundown. Okay, yeah. One of the great things about Ethiopia, and I realized myself, was most of us don't really kind of have, when we think Ethiopia is, it's very kind of different. So, for example, it snows and it rains a lot. Um, and so in the country down in the, the bottom southern tip, which we're getting down near the border of South Sudan, Uganda, Kenya, is the Omo Valley. And this area is one of the remotest parts in, in the world and one of the purest tribal regions. So there's not a, really a lot of roads down through there. So I had to go down to a town called Jinka, which is about three quarters of the way down uh, in the country. It takes, I think it took me two and a half days on, on local buses. And in that town, that's kind of the last of, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of the big smoke of the really small town. And from that point on, it's just very minute towns all the way down to, to Kenya that just uh, are very limited in supplies. There's no banks, um, very few facilities. So I started in this town, Jinka, and then what we, I found a, the person who could take me down into the valley, who was a young Mercy uh, tribal guy who was in his early 20s who lived in the highlands. Uh, but we, he doesn't speak uh, much English. Back then I didn't speak much Amharic and I didn't speak any Mercy. So I was just following him. So we just got a bus through from the town of Jinka through the Midlands, which is Ari territory, which are, um, which are farmers. And we just got off that bus and we just started walking and it was a day walking through steep, um, it's quite mountainous range through there before you're getting down into the valley, but you're going a lot up and down and there's, it's only dirt and mud roads and it rains a lot through there. Um, so that was the first time, the fun bit, and I, this isn't in the documentary because the tough part I had is the only valley is, there's kind of nothing down there in terms of electricity or anything. So I was limited on how much, battery power I had to film and the exciting part on that that first day is getting started on the trip but when you're going through Ari territories it's you're going from sort of village to village um, but they're just communities that live there so it's no different in a sense than suburban Australia or suburban Canada um, but it's just so kids are walking to school and people are walking to work but it's just through mud tracks and so you get this great kind of thing where you've got you see goats and children and men in business suits and we're all just sort of crossing paths. Um, so that was kind of a really, something I hadn't expected. 
And then the second day of the route we took, then we went straight down into the valley, um, which was really interesting. We got lost for a bit because the tribes won't cross certain lines. So the paths are all over the ground. So we just had to smash our way through, through long grass and bushes. And then we were down into the Omo Valley. So then we got into the first uh, Mercy village that I stayed at. <clears throat> Yeah, sorry, that broke up. What was that question again? Oh, sorry, and by the way, uh, bad Wi-Fi here. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, connecting oh, here yeah. from La Paz, Bolivia, so apologies about the Wi-Fi. Um, what I was asking is, what were some of the highlights from the trip? Um, Left a lasting impression. Yeah, there, there were so many. There was, um, I won't go too much about some key ones uh, appear in the documentary, which your viewers can watch. Um, some really small, I mean, like, some stuff that really stood out is just when you're, you're hiking through these incredibly remote areas and there's just, there's no one around and you kind of go, I'm so far from, uh, from everything. And then you'll just come across these people <laughs> that are kind of heading in the opposite direction and you have this brief conversation and they all disappear off into the distance. Um, so you get these little moments that I just haven't experienced um, that kind of moment. Like in Australia, when you hike a lot, it's so remote, people just like out there in, in these areas, you're coming across people uh, from time to time, but then you won't see anyone for sort of 20 or 30 kilometers. So that was always just interesting, those little moments of bumping into people. But one of my favorite moments that, um, that is in the documentary is just one night when I was, was in a, a village and it was, it was dark and I was cooking dinner and all the huts around me, you can hear all the mothers in their huts collectively singing all the children to sleep. And it was like clear sky with these stars. Um, and it was just one of those really small but kind of special moments you get when you're traveling, just listening to them all sort of singing their children off to sleep. So that was a real highlight, which had nothing to do with the, the hiking itself. So... <clears throat> Very beautiful. And I'm you had some struggles and some challenges. Tell us about some of those difficulties as well. Okay, yeah. It's breaking up a bit. You're saying what were some of the difficulties that I had along the way? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, there was a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, from the physical point of view, so it's, walk, it's the very long distances that were hiking each day and the fact that each day I just had no idea what distance I was hiking. So the, the guy that I had, Oli Tula, said back then I speak, I speak a lot of Amharic now, but I didn't. So I just actually couldn't be kind of told like, how long am I hiking today? How much water do I need? Where are we going? Um, so that was kind of one of the hardest bits. And with that is I just really had to, nurse water that I had so I just wasn't drinking much water at all so each day I'd be drinking probably a third of what I should have had like when, especially when you're hiking in 38 40 degree temperatures um celsius that is and so that kind of the, the physical stuff um the other thing is you get the interesting bit probably the hard bit also is when you're getting into very remote tribal areas and you're in there and you just there's that that cultural grind because you you don't know what exactly 
you know, um, you should or shouldn't be doing. There's moments when you kind of go, I don't know if I should be sitting a certain way. And I'm just observing and watching how people work, but you don't understand some of those, those cultural things. And the bit with that is also that everybody shares everything, which I was fine with, except there's two things. I was happy to share food that I had. I was, um, was sort of buying eggs off people and, and lip plates and, and different sort of, jewelry to sort of stimulate the economy and also thank them for having me there um <clears throat> we just dropped it out i think it's saying we dropped out i'm not sure if you're hearing me on your end <clears throat> i'm not seeing you are you hearing me <clears throat> hey Ricky, I'm not sure if you're hearing or seeing me. I can't. I can't hear or see you. I'm not sure if anyone else out there can see and hear us. Hey, David, you there? Ah, oh, we're back now. Yeah, I can hear you. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Um, I'm part of 
um, did you finish your point about uh... yeah I'm, I, it's breaking up again that you were having okay I think uh, yeah, I'm starting to hear a bit more um, yeah the, I was just saying that the, the, the tough bit within the trouble is everybody shares everything and I was happy to share everything I had except two things. Everybody wanted the water when I would find it. So I had to find rainwater or um, uh, from a well or something because they could drink, the Mercy will drink the water, that, that you know, river water. Oh, there you are. You're back on now. Um, the Mercy can drink river water, but, you know, myself or someone like you or most people are not, not from that area just couldn't actually stomach the water. Um, so whenever I'd go off and find water, people would want that. And they also wanted my hiking shoes. And that was the other thing that I'm like, I can't walk bare feet. I know they're really good barefoot hikers. Uh, so that was kind of one of the tougher bits was come up and sort of point and want that. I felt really bad about sort of rejecting that request. But so those two things without sort of water and walking shoes, um, I wouldn't have been able to kind of get by or do what I needed to. So. <clears throat> Breaking up again. I'm here and I'm seeing you. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can hear you now. Hello? You're hearing me? Yep. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Okay. I'm going to point out, but uh, I'm just going to continue. The whole trip, you're actually documenting the whole thing, and uh, you're videotaping it, and it turned it into an actual... Um, uh, documentary. Walk us through the journey, equipment you need, and how did you actually turn this adventure into a... So, um, yeah, so at the time, I had a, a camera, so I was shooting along the way as I was going, and I didn't even necessarily know that that's uh, what sort of documentary I was going to make. Um, 
just filming footage, capturing what I put along the way. And that was one of the other really difficult parts because when you want to take photos or film immersive, they, um, they want money for that, which is completely fine. But I've also done an area that I've got all the money on me that I had at the time. And I didn't know how long that had to, to last because I had to be paying for um, potentially some food along the way. I was paying my guide. Um, and if you set up a camera, you know, it's, it's, um, and film a group of people, that shot might end up winding up costing you a couple of dollars, uh, which doesn't seem like much, but I was potentially going to be down there for a month and I'm like, I might run out of money and I might not be able to buy food or, or pay for my guide to get me out, etc. So, so that was the tough part with filming. Um, but the guy that I had, he wanted to learn how to use a video camera. So part of that process is through teaching him how to use it and he was able to capture some really good footage as well. And so I shot all that documentary and um, then when I was back in Australia, I started to work on the edit, but I just didn't have enough footage to complete the, the documentary. And uh, I don't want to spoil it, but there's something that happens at about the midpoint in the documentary that, that caused me some, uh, some major problems and affected what I, I wanted to be doing down there. And so we essentially got told by the government to go to get out of the park. Um, so I went back in 2013 to, to shoot a, another documentary in the country, which, um, which didn't happen for a bunch of reasons. So I was back in Australia, I'm like, I don't have enough footage to finish this documentary, um, but I want to finish it. So I need to find what a different way to tell, tell the story. So I started editing, um, uh, you know, cause the documentary is just storytelling. You have all your footage. You can tell, oh, there's three different stories I could tell. And I'm like, which one do I want to tell them? By picking up on this story of starting of hiking in Australia and then going to Italy and then going to Lebanon, then to Ethiopia gave me that thread of connecting hiking in the, and walking for survival in the past in different continents and how it works, you know, for, for even in the modern world. Um, so, I, yeah, it's one that I actually just... I, work predominantly as a writer director but i do edit a little bit so i did the edit on this documentary and then um yeah found the way to to make the story work make the most of the, you know the footage that i had and particularly the really good footage that we shot in parts of sort of ethiopia italy and lebanon um and then then i just had a small crew there's only three other people that worked on the film uh so they all got on board and i had someone who, who did a great soundtrack for me um, who's done soundtracks on some other films and it had uh, a great post-production sound team uh, so that they did some great work and and then I came on board and he did all of the all the kind of titles and credits and, and coloring and that sort of stuff so, <clears throat> so it took about in the end I think it was about 12 weeks to do the edit Awesome. And tell us about uh, what's your plans with the film. Uh, you plan to enter into film competitions, film festivals. Uh, what vision for the film going forward? Yeah. Uh, so then, when uh, it was finished, and at the same time, I was actually directing in the middle of another project, a short comedy. So I was really split between two projects and marketing them. So Mercy, it's already screened at a. It was shortlisted at a couple of film festivals. One called Mount, Mountain Film Festival in America. Um, and another one called, I've totally forgotten the name. I think it's called What If Film Festival in Ireland. 
Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go over for those screenings because I would have had to pay for the flight, so I just didn't have that, that money at the time. Um, so it's so it's screened at those festivals, and now it's just available online. So I wanted to find a big audience um, online and in a different world because most of my other documentaries and films have screened on, on TV and in festivals. But what I really like about online is you get that um, direct contact with the audience. So um, at the moment, it's just... It's available for anyone on uh, YouTube to watch or on my Facebook pages or my website. <clears throat> awesome. So speaking of your website, your social media, you connect with you about the whole uh, filmmaking journey and also that, David. Sorry, that last, you just broke up at the end there, sorry. I just asked with you if I want to you more questions about the film. Mm -hmm. Oh, if, if people had more questions for you. How can they reach out? Okay, yeah. Sorry, now uh, you're back in. I'm hearing you. Uh, that's what I mean. My website is my name, so it's davidwilling.com.au. You can contact me through there um, or through any of my Facebook pages. So work, Walking with the Mercy, which you should tell people Mercy is spelled M-U-R-S-I. Um, people seem to have trouble finding it. Uh, they can contact me through there. Um, and also my my website will link you to all of those pages and there's web, uh, email addresses, Facebook, etc. So anyone has any other questions or uh, about the documentary or anything or any other projects, feel free to uh, to contact me. Well, thanks again for your time today. Apologies about the bad internet, but it was great to connect with you and great to hear about this amazing adventure. Definitely makes me want to come and visit uh, Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say to anyone go, Ethiopia is a, it's a great adventure every day, whatever you're doing in the country. Um, not just that, but uh, thank you very much for having me on. It's been great and uh, look forward to seeing how the rest of your travels go as well. Definitely, and uh, if people are interested in uh, my journey, make sure you check out our website, daddyblogger.com, and you can follow our Daddy Blogger World Tour as we uh, attempt to see every country in the world. We're currently at 72 countries on six continents, and uh, definitely one of our big uh, projects next is Africa. We've only done two countries in Africa. We did um, Egypt, and we did South Africa, and there's a whole other 52 countries in Ethiopia, so we're definitely looking forward to visiting there. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Once again, apologies about the bad internet. Uh, you know, life is a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect internet. And I'll have the link below so you can watch David's entire documentary. And, uh, you know, I'll have the links to his website and social media as well. So thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Thank you for having me. Happy travels. Thanks.